Sorry for swearing. No, you're good. It's okay. It's okay. Thank you. I um, I was at the famous family party that you uh, not ridiculed, but were confused about several weeks ago. Right, right. Early Thanksgiving. Early Thanksgiving. It it finally happened. Uh, right, right. And it was funny because most of my family's is down with cursing and saying like shits and fucks. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I certainly let them fly a lot more like liberally than most. Sure. And it's that SoCal life. Yeah, it was funny because I'm pretty sure I set the standard to let other people know it was okay. Because like all the women, all the women were in the kitchen. It was just a thing. But I had a lot of fun like cooking and preparing with everybody. It was like a very yeah, yeah. cool thing. But I definitely was the one that like started started the cursing and then you start hearing other people go ah shit and i'm like yeah i love that i love that especially when you like meet a new group of people like okay so we met doing comedy studies right yes uh and it's just like a it's a program at columbia college you do comedy at second city no big deal whatever we're totally awesome but like so when you're in a new situation like that or like a new office a new job there's that like or even just back when you're back with your family for the first time in a long time there's like kind of awkward like, do we swear? You know, like yeah. who's gonna be the fir- who's gonna be the first one to do it? Who's gonna who's gonna break that? And it was you. What? You broke the seal. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I don't even remember, but I'm sure. I'm sure I did. I don't know. It's just it's part of my language at this point. I know that I'm definitely like that with like um, I guess like snark and sarcasm. Yeah. Like I'm the one. Who, I'm always the one who breaks the seal by like being playfully rude because that's another right? thing where, where it's like you don't know sometimes with friends like when in new friends like when it's okay to make fun of them playfully yeah and it's always awkward the first time when you do it because sometimes like sometimes their reaction is fine but it's like delayed and it's mm-hmm, like oh mm-hmm. god is it okay because i because either it's gonna be fun or i'm like a total dick and i should just excuse myself now here's the you thing know? though could you I ha- I don't think I have any friends who I don't feel comfortable like ribbing and making fun of. No, not like not good friends. Like, yeah, if you're in my circle of people, you're fair game as far as I'm you- concerned. <laughs> you are in my circle. <laughs> if you're in watch my circle, fuck out. yeah. Is that? Do you think that's true for everyone? Like, do you, or do you think there are people who like don't make fun of their friends? I like can't imagine a world. <laughs> But I don't. I also think. I also think that you and I probably hang out with similar-minded people to ourselves, and I think maybe if we were to hang with someone our age who is like maybe extremely conservative, like they might not find the funny in making fun of people or joking mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard a lot about conservatives is they care so much about other people's welfare. Uh, at all times Yeah um, That hurts They r- really understand jokes Yeah You saw Okay I don't want this just to be a podcast about my Twitter life But But it's becoming that Jason But it's okay 
I'm just guy on Twitter I know. told me I wasn't funny, and it hurt my feelings. We don't have to go into it, but uh, let's just let me just say that like it was the worst thing that's happened to me in months. Yeah, I I need you to be on your A game though as we go into this episode, and so I just need you to know that like you're funny, mm-hmm. and that Twitter person's a jerk, and uh, they don't know you, and you're an acquired taste like a fine wine, and everything's mm-hmm. fine. Acquire this, I think. That I think that you and I uh, would definitely be in the same drag house if we if we performed. Yes, I agree. It'd be like the house of the house of snark. Mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe snarktasm. <laughs> yes, snark, snarktasm. Snarktasm Snark-ca- or snarkasm? Snark-a- like, a, like an orgasm. I don't know why I wanted the T in there. Snarkasm. Well, it's like extravaganza. It's like tastic. The tasm. It's complicated, but that's who we are. We're kind of like mysterious and like we're not very good at voguing or like no. really anything, but the shade thing we're good at. The shade. I mean, better than like the house of the neurotic, which I think would be our other house. That would be, my, yeah. So. <laughs> that would be the other house we could maybe get into. House, house number two. House. I'm so glad you brought up the houses. Um, they spelled it H O U S E. Okay, wait, wait. This week we watched Paris is Burning. It's I was going. Document. Jason, do it, do it, do it. Oh, do it. No, do it. ruined. Do it. Ruined. Do it. Do it. I like to spell house H A U S. Thank you very much. No, okay. it's way sassy. No, it's way sassier, and that's how they do it today. Um, but yes, yeah, so Jason and I are talking about houses uh, because we watched Paris is Burning. Uh, Good intro. Thank you. Solid intro. Well, you know what, Jason? I had it flowing a lot better in my brain before I was so rudely mansplained to. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, so Paris is Burning, 1980s uh, New York City drag scene, specifically the ball scene. So this mm-hmm. is not in the clubs. This is a, a different uh, – it's an, an event. Um and so it kind of talks, it interviews different drag queens uh, that were kind of in charge of uh, their houses, and we'll get into that more. And it just shows what this scene was like and how these people kind of made their own families and functioned together in 80s New York. It's a very, I don't know if, I don't think slice of life is the word I'm looking for, but it's a very like in depth look at a subculture that you kind of know is there and you don't maybe. N- I don't know why I'm saying you. I knew was there, and, like, I didn't know a lot about. Um, yeah. Almost, maybe not slice of life, but, like, a snapshot of a different time in which... Right. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And it, it also really... I was talking to you earlier on Facebook. We were both really excited about talking about this oh one. Oh, my God. Because there's, there's a ton there's a ton to talk about, so we, we kind of spoiled some by talking on Facebook but so this documentary similar to Wolfpack which is one that we watched earlier um, was made after the filmmaker literally found um, I don't remember who in the documentary but found a couple of uh, drag queens in a park in New York um, and was like who are you like I want to follow you around forever with a camera and then she did yeah Um, and really that's kind of what this documentary feels like in a way it really is like you're kind of immersed into this world where you are an outsider as the can like the camera is the outsider but it's like everything's being explained to and you're kind of handheld through what it's what the drag scene was like in 1986 i think in yeah. new york city 
And and I'll say, like, for this documentary maker, that's awesome because this documentary is – it's a must-watch for the drag community. I mean, truly, this is something that's referenced all the friggin' time. It's like a rite of passage. And so it's still relevant. It's still being watched all the time, which is pretty cool that it's, you know, 2016. And, like, I watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race for the listeners. Like, so, so – so very much RuPaul's Drag Race, I can't even tell you. So okay, I'm so wait, 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 wait. I need to, I need to know for you specifically, because you are, like, as far, I haven't known you, I guess, that long. But for as long as I've known you, you've been, like, really in, like, drag queens, drag culture, RuPaul. Like, what yeah. is it for you that is so exciting, so interesting? Okay, this this documentary shows it so well. But what it is for me is drag is literally saying fuck off to everything serious to everything real to everything that sucks and it's like i'm going to live in my body in this fantasy that i'm creating you know mm-hmm. whatever whatever you are feeling and they just live i mean it's it's like a it's like a fire or a passion inside like these people are literally living their best life for a moment and it's awesome to see that and like when I watch RuPaul, I go to the bars and watch RuPaul. Like, I watch with all the gay guys, and it's fantastic. And everyone gets into it. Like, you just feel excited about this art. So I think what's, I think what I, what's a big part of it that I didn't understand beforehand, and I'm hearing, hearing you, like, call out there, is that it's not about performing so much as being. Someone in the yeah. documentary mentions that it's like, no, you're not dressing up as a woman. You are being a woman. Yeah. Or you're not dressing up as a a, a banker. You are a banker. Um, and it's living that life as this other thing, even if even if just for a moment, and it's like a it's a act of escapism. And that's totally. not something that I at all understood from the very limited amount I understood drag queens or drag culture. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's changed a lot. I mean, there's definitely an art to it. There's definitely a performance aspect to it if you go to, like, a traditional drag show. Um, right. But the act of doing drag, it's very much a rebellion. It's very much a, like, you know what, this is how I feel, and this is just what I'm going to project. And it's cool, because, like, even if you're not a dancer, like, doesn't matter. You just, there's music playing, feel it. Do whatever you want right. with it. It doesn't matter. No, no. one's no one's going to judge you. And I think I've just, I don't know, maybe for you too, I'm sure like you grew up feeling like outsider-ish. You think differently than other people. Maybe you're funny or can't relate. I don't know. But for me, it's like this just made sense to me. I was like, this seems like a cool community I would be a part of. It's really interesting that you, you used to, you said something, um, like no one's gonna judge you, right? Yeah. And there's this weird, there's this weird like contradiction going on at all times where it's I like know. it's very, it's very inclusive. Everyone's allowed to walk, you know. There's there's a million categories, so everyone has a place. And at the same time, there are people literally judging you and giving you scores, right? And yeah. like there are winners and losers. Totally. So it it's there's this and and there's like this whole competitive aspect, right? So it's this combination of like everyone's allowed to perform, everyone's allowed to win. Oh, but also, like, this is cutthroat. Right. Um, but you is... see how much pride they take in, like, oh, yeah. doing it. And that's, I think, where, like, that fire comes from and that, like, slight judgment because it's, like, 
they don't put themselves out on the ball to walk until they're ready. Mm-hmm. What is you know the quote? What does the guy say? Uh, he's like these motherfuckers are um, the MC. What does he say? Like it's tough to do. Like it's tough to. Oh, oh, uh, it was something like give it up for these motherfuckers because it do take nerve. That's what <laughs> that it guy, is. Yeah, yeah. It do well, take and it's, nerve. Well, and it's it's this whole like it it really is you know as a complete outsider to like you know I've never seen RuPaul's Drag Race. I've never seen. Oh jeez. The, the the I think I I genuinely think that the only like drag queen I have seen for like perform in any way is um on CNN on New Year's they cut to a drag queen in a in a giant shoe they drop a drag queen in a shoe. Oh. In in New Orleans that's the thing and that's the I think. And that's like that classic drag queen in like the you know you know huge feather boa and like um, sequins and um, like like in the documentary Dorian um, like the classic like original drag queen. And I think yeah. that's what that's definitely what I thought. More like showgirl, like exactly. Yeah, totally. And that's what I thought like drag was. It's like dressing up like uh, like John Mulaney has a joke about like dressing up like a rude brassy woman. Yeah. Um, but there's that's like not even what a percentage th- of it. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, no, it's a percentage, but that's not like a huge percentage of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think so quickly. So the way that a ball is kind of set up in this movie and basically what it documents is is it, it goes to several balls. But a ball was basically a place where houses, which are, as explained in the thing, uh, drag queen uh, street gangs right. <laughs> is what they were saying. But it's like a family unit. You know, a lot of these kids, this is the 80s, a lot of these kids got kicked out of their homes, felt the need to run away, and didn't fit in anywhere, so they end up in New York City. And this is this is their version of family. You take care of each other. So these houses come together and uh, they perform at these balls, and there's different categories for you to walk in. Um, some of them are where you dress as a woman. Um, some of them are for, you know, do you look the most real, realness. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is cheesecake, which is different than being real. It's also being sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's even one, there was a um, the school... School the, like schoolgirl yeah. category. I was like, "What school the fuck?" Schoolboy, schoolgirl. Yeah, yeah. But go for it. Like you know, if this is if that's military a, is a is yeah. one that we, we see a lot of military in the documentary. Big. Yeah. But also, I wonder if that was like you know, gays weren't allowed in the military. So what a cool rebellion to like put on a right. Friggin- well, and and so much so like the realness. Uh, you know, can you pass as a real military person, aka like, can you be in the military where you're not allowed? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the realness thing is something, again, that, like, I didn't, like, not that I, I just didn't know about, but it, it's very interesting, is this whole idea of, like, performing back into the closet, so to speak, um, yeah. and that, that so much of at least late 80s drag culture is about um, hiding your your queerness and and showing that you can exist in society, like, in outside society. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is so, it's just, it's such a, it's such, it's so much more comp, this should not be a surprise, but it's so much more complex than like pop culture makes it seem, right? Totally. Um, yeah. And not, obviously like, duh, but um, this documentary does a really good job at showing that. Yeah. 
No, totally. So of the, I'm just kind of curious. So, so they yeah. interviewed like the heads of several different, very prominent houses at the time. Which mother were you like drawn to for for whatever reason? Which, which mother? Yes. Yeah, well, so, like Pepper well, there was the, right? Um, Extravaganza. I forget Extra- her first name. Angie Extravaganza. Angie. Uh, Dorian Corey. Mm-hmm. And then. Kim Pendavis was, I think, the mother of her house, but they really sh- mostly showed Freddie. He was the one in the blue tank top. Yeah. That kid was fucking funny. Yeah. I could have watched, like, they could have made a whole, like, 40 minutes of just, like, him talking to the camera, and I totally would have watched it. What 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 house was Octavia in? She Octavia Stravaganza? Octa- uh, Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. Is she a mother? Can I Can I pick her? I think she is a mother. You can pick her. She's gorgeous. Cool. Well, and there's there's a lot I loved about her her story uh, uh-huh. and the way and the way she uh, she tells it. I love her voice. They this movie. If you're a fan of a New York accent, if you're this right, is, this is the movie for you. Um, everyone's got dip, and it's it's not. There's not one New York accent, mind you. There's 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 the Bronx and there's Harlem mm-hmm. and it's ooh, it's so good. There was one point where with with Octavia, so Octavia's talking and she keeps saying the word hair. She's like this. There's this 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 model hair I really like and this model hair I really like. Yeah, I and see her hair I, and I see this. I, I see, but she's not talking about hair. H a i r. She's saying. H E R E. Yeah. And I love it. It's so yeah. good. No, Sorry. Um, no, I agree but, um, with you. Even really fast, the kid that I loved was the kid that they interviewed one of those on the corner. Year olds? Yeah, he's 13. He's like, I live with my yeah. mother in the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're so real. But like to me, that's like a caricature of what New York is. Because I don't think yeah. it's, I mean, you live there. It's not quite, it's not like that anymore, right? Like, no, are those I mean, accents well, as, like the Chicago accents dying? Right. Obviously, I mean, so the New York accent is dying uh, because people move here who aren't from, from New, York. New York. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but but you still it hear it, hand. obviously. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, okay, but you liked Octavia Saint Laurent. I liked Octavia Saint Laurent. I I was the one I wanted to talk kind of more about was Venus, because um, cool. I think I think Venus, uh, Venus's story and Venus both. Um, say a lot about the i the like dangers present in 1986 with being a trans person in new york mm-hmm. um and in america um yeah. gorgeous first of all her too right like seemed um, like looked like a woman like yeah right it, it, absolutely it easily passes as a woman yeah which is which even goes further into uh you know she's poor they a lot of them are poor they uh, and she are, yeah. she none of them ever use the term sex worker but i'll but there's a huge quantity a huge percentage of them work in the sex trade to live support themselves yeah to support themselves and obviously 1986 new york is very different than 2016 new york um and venus is constantly not constantly but she she speaks once about um being physically uh, threatened because she's in the middle of a of, of sex working. Is that the active verb I yeah. want to use? Uh, and her her genitalia makes the man she's with uncomfortable. Her between uh, me down there. Yeah. What did she say? Yeah. My, my private be- bit. My between me down there. Is that what she says? Yes, because RuPaul says it too. I'm gonna oh. every time there's something that RuPaul also says from this movie, I'm just gonna 
let you know because it's pretty incredible how much is this is quoted. But yeah, between me down there. Okay, so that happens. Uh, he he spots her between me that down there. Is that what we mm-hmm. say? Yep. Uh, and like freaks the fuck out. Yeah. Um, she jumped out a window. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she says. And I didn't know. I didn't know whether she was in a building or in a car. Not that yeah. it really matters. Um, but but it was my Pretty first intense. thought. Yeah. Um, but like that's that's you know you want you question why some why why drag races um, why drag balls are like underground and why it's a why it's a subculture and the answer is because like li- it's a literal life and death survival tactic mm-hmm. right no it's um, absolutely you look, true y- you look at someone like Venus who like shouldn't have any problem living a day to day life but does yeah. No, absolutely. And she was the only one in this movie that, like, provided any sort of an arc, you know? But mm-hmm. it was so interesting to just hear... Well, I mean, I would disagree, because I, I think Pepe Le Beja also uh, has a certain amount of an arc. Um, I guess I meant more with how it... Her story... Okay, we should... I'll probably Do you know this. what I'm saying? Yeah. I do know what you're saying, and I'll probably cut <laughs> this. In terms of plot, she provided some. But but you want to talk about... So she um, she talks about what her aspirations are. They all do. They ask them all, like, what what do yeah. you want? What, you know, if you could just have life, what do you want? And Venus says, you know, I want a house, and I want a husband, and I want to live like a white girl. I want to have right. what white girls have. You know, and that's, I think, all of them wanted, like, fame fortune money and none of them wanted it in a greedy way they all wanted it to just like all right jason no i was just i mean like whether or not they wanted it in a greedy way like who cares like they all want money you know no like, i know but i thought it was nice that it I mean, was we more want, a... everyone wants money but no yeah. i know but no, they wanted right. it for everybody they don't just want to like dip yeah, on Pepe their Beja specifically was like you know i would i want to be a millionaire but i would share it yeah um which you know whether or not that's true it's certainly it's certainly a nice sentiment to have i wouldn't i don't know that i would say that um i don't know maybe i would the the Um, house of sarcasm doesn't share (laughs) yeah house of anxiety saves for later (laughs) um actually i wanted to i wanted to add on a little bit so venus was talking venus is a good um uh symbol i don't know if that's the right word I want to use, but for for like the transgender uh, struggle and the, the the potential violence against someone for being transgender, um, at the very top of the movie, there's a quote, and I think it's Pepe Labeja, but you don't actually see who it is. It's just a it's just a voiceover, and they say, uh, "When I came out as gay to my dad, he said, um, you know, every everyone has three strikes, and you already have two because you're black and a man." Uh, if you're going to be a black gay man, like you're going to have to be just that much stronger. Yeah. And that that's a very I p- very poorly put together that quote, but the quote is really strong, right? No, I think you did a nice job. That's exactly what they said. Like you, you're already well. And Dorian Corey adds onto that later because she's flat out says she goes the reason that like you know it's so cool for black guy for gay black men to come and like dress up like business realness is because the fact is is the cards were not in your favor 
And as a gay black man, you're not going to be a business executive. It's just a thing, which sucks. Right. It's not right, but it's just a fact. And I was like, well, yeah. And, sure. and the you know, not to beat a dead horse, but like, it's really beautiful and interesting that this community found a way to live those existences. Totally. Even if it's just for 10, you know, five minutes walking in a room, uh, you know, away from reality like that's a really interesting way that this community found to exist in that way and it is really important that we 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 emphasize like this documentary is uh predominantly black people and people of color yeah um if not solely um which was something i kind of wanted to ask you whether you knew anything maybe from rupaul or whatever um just your own experience like whether there is a difference between like black drag culture and white drag culture um yeah i mean because one of the things one of the things like there's a huge portion of this for them which is about whiteness which you were kind of getting into um and the the desire to have to to blend into society and the desire to be white um yeah and that can't happen in in a white drag situation i'll I'll say this because I don't. I do go to the gay bars sometimes. I do watch RuPaul at gay bars, and I will say it's a much more diverse crowd than you're going to find elsewhere because, you know, you come together based on your race because that's what you have in common. But when you're coming together because you're gay and that's what you have in common, sometimes the race part kind of goes away because it's gay culture. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of a huge thing in terms of where it's at today because I'll say. Well, first of all, RuPaul is black, is is a right. gay black man, so already for him to have made it and have this show is pretty incredible. But it's, if you want to look at, like, the history of the winners from RuPaul, first one, black. Second one, black. Third one, Indonesian. Uh, fourth one, white. So, I mean, mm. if you want to look at just, uh, you know, who does well, the race factor doesn't seem to be as much a part of, like, that show. Um because I think it's more about the gay culture that's been created. But I feel like here, I feel like in this instance, it was more creating and finding that. Whereas now, today it's more established. But then it's like, who's mostly poor? Not white people. You know what I mean? Who's mostly poor? It's going to be Latinos and black people, and that's how they come together and find each other and families in New York. You know what I mean? You know, not that... Not that drag culture is mainstream in any way. And, you know, not to say that today we are in some kind of like post-gender utopia. Right. uh, Because we're not. But uh, it's very different, I would assume. I'm assuming, I'm projecting, whatever, being gay in New York in 2016 than it was in 1986. Totally. And you, it, it, the, the, necessity to be underground or even in the closet is a lot different in 2016 than it was in 1986. Um, Yeah. The other thing I thought, and and I'm kind of curious what you think, is like, although they did talk about trans girls, so like Venus was, Angie actually was extravaganza, so was, I think Dorian Corey was, but the language that they used at that time was kind of broadly gay. You know what I mean? Like, today we have so many more um, definitions and kind of, like, 
subcategories beyond that because even the trans women didn't really present themselves as trans it was like this is a gay community i'm gay yeah you know what i mean and today i think there's more of a there's more of a split between a trans woman and someone who does drag and i wonder if it's maybe just at that time it was easier to just make it seem like a performance thing Right. I, I, you know what I obviously mean? don't have the answer, but like that was something that I was really curious about because I'm not sure the word transgender really gets brought up at all in this documentary. Um, not yeah. that. Yeah. Because I don't even think, because Venus says, like, some people think, you know, we're weird or disgusting, and some people think we're the most beautiful creatures on earth. Right. You know, referring to being trans. And so, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. Well, so the language there's is definitely different. right. There's the and there's definitely language used in this documentary that like I don't think would be used today. The thing that jumps out is Peppa Labeja says, um, you know, I didn't want to get surgery. Like I didn't want to become a woman because I was afraid. Like what if in a, in you know 15 years I changed my mind? You know, yeah. and I I think today that's not something that you would necessarily hear because the idea is that, you know, you're not making a choice that's just, you know, (coughs) excuse me, Venus, like, says outright, like, I've always felt like a woman. I've always been a woman. The only thing about me that wasn't a woman was my, my, well, Between me down there. My, my between me down there was the only thing about me that wasn't a woman. Yeah. Um, Even though she doesn't use the word transgender, like, that's what she's describing. Totally. Um, I don't know. There, there, it definitely. I guess the '80s were a more confusing time because they had fewer definitions. But like, people definitely seem to use pronouns based on like how they want to identify. Um, uh, even so, like I'm thinking about that 15 year old boy who's like, uh, I have my gay sisters or whatever. You know, he doesn't say like I have my gay brothers who dress in drag. You know, or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, he he uses the pronouns that like people want i guess or the the people are looking for yeah like what they what they present themselves at at a ball at their best version of themselves right well and there's obviously a certain number of people angie there's certain people who go through uh uh some surgeries yeah um i don't know who's the girl we meet on the beach is that someone she just like shows up, right? I know. I had looked her up because I she's definitely like a part of one of those houses. Um, but like for her, for example, like she had she's she had full know, on gotten, surgery. She was she's but like fully more than many other people. Like her, her she had no surgery and cheek surgery. Like you know she. I like I could not understand how people were affording this stuff though. Like I realized mm-hmm. that's something I, I really was thinking about. I know because it's like even. I mean, I have, like, a pretty normal job, and, like, the thought of me getting a nose job, I'm like, I couldn't afford a freaking nose job, let alone... Do you know that? I'm serious. Like, do you know how much a nose job costs? I'm just assuming it's more than, like, $2,000. I'm looking it up, because I I have no idea. Because it's like, that's a lot of surgery that you're doing. The average cost of cosmetic nose surgery in New York is $7,000. Okay. National average is 5300 You see what I'm saying? Like, and I realize that's, you know, inflation and to, all that good stuff. But, but still, that's a I, lot of money. If I wanted a nose job, I'd be saving up for a while, let alone a nose job, maybe a boob job, maybe also, like, a, you know, cheek implants, plus, you know, kind of, like, getting my penis removed. Like, okay, that's so like, expensive. So, you know, 
I think that what I would say is like so for like uh, breast implants, um, uh, genital reconstruction. I guess I don't know what that's actually called. Uh, surgeries like that's like okay, this is like who I am. Like this is very important. I need to sure. spend a lot of money to get that done. That I understand, but like the nose and cheek, and then like once you're adding all that stuff on, it's like wow, okay, like that's a lot of money. Yeah. Where's it coming from? Um, yeah, I definitely did think about that. Also, though, like I'm assuming it's got to be harder. It must have been harder to get gender reassignment surgery in 1986 than in 2016, right? Well, and I'm wondering, it's like, do you save up for a flight to like somewhere like Thailand? You know what I mean? And it's like, do you just get it all knocked out in one? Yeah. So I like, I don't know, but I couldn't. I kind of couldn't get over that. I was like, that's just so much. No, that's true. Well, and, and it's interesting, too, because there was, um, oh, shit, what's the word? Mopping, right? Like, there's this whole idea that there. <laughs> did you not love how he explained mopping, though? He didn't use the word stealing. Yeah, he did. Um, he did? So he's trying to tip. Okay, so they asked what mopping is. He's like, mopping's like when you go in somewhere, you, like, see what you want, and you get. Mopping is stealing. Yeah. It's stealing. He tried. He tr- okay, you're right. He, like, tried to, to beat around the bush, and <laughs> there was, like, no doing it. sound it. better. No, stealing, dude. But, right, it's, so, like, these are people who, like, really don't have money. Um, no. And, like, I, I mean, that that only, like, added to the kind of beauty of the, the gender performance of drag um, balls is the idea that, like, these people, they're, they're putting, like, everything into this performance you know, physically and often financially uh, and, you know, potentially, you know, the stealing is not safe. You know, that's a difficult no. thing to do. Um, it's putting your life on the line for the sake of like a five minute little, little dance. Right. Vogue. But it's everything for them. It's everything. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm, very fascinated with subcultures as an idea. Um, I think because, especially as like an American studies major, uh, it's like, I think everyone just kind of like has this shared American, I don't want to say shared American culture, but this like kind of shared homogenous white culture that we all know and we all understand. Yeah. Uh, and the idea that there's all these little subcultures hidden underneath that I don't know about excites me. And like, I want to know all of them um and obviously that can't be done but like that's something that like we're gonna achieve it we're gonna try and achieve it yeah just one documentary at a time just one doc- i mean we got like nine uh like 80 like eight left so yeah well that's good we'll next watch- week's documentary is about furries good. uh so we'll, we'll learn get, we'll all get furries about- bronies all this stuff uh no well, yeah, i on the record i do not think furries and bronies are equivalent to uh transgender people in this country uh, I'm on the record. I'm okay. I didn't say they You're, were, you, but you said you subculture. Can, no, you can you can be on the you can be on the record too. I'm just There's saying plenty subculture. Of room. There's plenty of room on this record. <laughs> on this record to, for all, for, <laughs> we can all be on this record. We can all be on this record. Okay, I'm gonna uh, be on the record a, and say if you're a brony, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know that I want to join you on that record. Um, but it's a subculture. Probably should that some people find. Like, God. for some people, that's going to give them life. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> what? There's no. got to be a line for inclusion, and I think it's bronies. <laughs> 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 it's, 
anyways, um, <laughs> no, but I think the subculture, I don't know, I, I've said this to you already, but I'm going to say it again. I think subculture is super important. I think especially right now in this political climate, I think you're going to see more of it because every single thing that's going to be not allowed anymore or something that might be looked down upon um, it's going to go underground and it's going to change and evolve and still happen, but it's going to happen underground for a while. And I think that this documentary is cool to see that because like, this is all taking place during Reagan. Like, let mm-hmm. us not forget that this is during Reagan when everyone was dying of AIDS and no one was talking about AIDS. Right. You know what I mean? This was not a good time for the LGBT community by any means. Like this was as tough as, as it's been, I think, you know what I mean? And it's like, they were still able to come together, make it work and still like live a fantasy for themselves. Right. And I think that's important, especially, you know, there's so much fear over things being actually outlawed. Right. Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, actual laws being made. And this is a great example of a culture that when faced with, you know, serious hardship, not only survived, but thrived through art and through uh, expression. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. And it's going to happen again, and everyone's going to be fine, and we're all going to be okay. Yeah. And just, we're saying that also mostly for ourselves, too. So, yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're going to outlaw shitty podcasts, but... Maybe they should, honestly. Um, my favorite, I don't know why, but just the language of the saws coming in my mind. One of my favorite things in this whole thing is when Pepper LaBeja is talking about how fabulous she looks. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, the other children, they see me and they, you know, I don't have no bags under my eyes or anything like that. Suffer. <laughs> it's like one of my favorites because there's just so much sass and excitement and just like pride and confidence i think the confidence thing is so cool in all of this too because even if they can't express themselves out in public like they should be able to they still have all this confidence inside about who they are and it's so so cool to like watch them go to these balls and like just live that Mm -hmm. live that life sorry no Sorry. You're sorry I'm, about. Just, I'm just feeling feeling my oats about it so it was i don't know i i definitely went in blind to this documentary and i i really want to watch it again for a couple for because because there's a lot going on in it yeah uh, but i'm glad we watched it for this week this was a good timing for me to be watching this documentary it was it was a nice pick me up it was a good kind of message of hope without being so uh, on the nose about it. Right, and it, it's, it picked me up, but it's not, like, frivolous, you know? Like, no. It's a, it's, a, it's a meaty documentary. Yeah. No, it's, it's a uh, It's cheesecake, you know? It's not... Uh, it's, it's, got, it's got body to it, but it's also sexy. Ooh, Jason. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. Speaking of documentaries with body, uh, do you want to know what we're going to watch next week? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. Did I just lose it? Um, hold on. Let me pull it up. This is a documentary that is wildly different from uh, what we watched this week, um, which is right. That's the way to do it, right? You got to go. Totally. 
We got an ebb and flow. I've of never course. seen it. I've never seen it. It's a Netflix, uh, not Netflix original, but it is on. Oh, it is. It's a Netflix original. It's called The Short Game. Uh, it's about young golf players. Cool. The tagline is, they're small in stature, but talented beyond their minimal years. They give new meaning to miniature golf. Okay, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know a lot about golf. I uh, I know I know almost nothing about golf. Um, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is a golfer. I watched a three-year-old golf on the news once, so maybe <gasps> we'll maybe we'll don't... get more more of that. Maybe a little more insight into what it's like to be a three-year-old golfer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have cool. a quote? I do. Should we say, or do you want it? You can do one if you want. I'm trying to find one from the movie that, like, maybe really struck me. While you look, I'll just uh, throw out the the Twitters and the things. You can follow us on iTunes. You probably already are. You can follow us on Tumblr, postdocpodcast.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Stitcher and Podbean. But if you're already listening on iTunes, why would you switch to Stitcher and Podbean, I don't, I don't know. We're not on Google Play, but I don't feel bad about it. Um, on Twitter, we're at Postdoc Podcast, and um, Emily's Twitter is at emtoby, and my Twitter is at jckasman. Uh, those are in the description of this podcast, so that's easy to find. Um, if you want to email us, you can email us at postdocpodcast at gmail.com. The G is for good. Yeah. Uh, I've stalled long enough. Did you find a quote? Because I have one if you didn't. Uh, I, you know, I'm just getting wrapped up in it. So why don't you go for it? I want to know what struck you. Mine's not a documentary quote, though. Mine's a RuPaul quote. Good. No, uh, I want to know because I bet I know it. Uh, life is about using the whole Netflix of documentaries rupaul what's the actual quote jason <laughs> life is about using the whole box of crayons <laughs> i would not have guessed that it's a rupaul quote but well done jason i mean well done. is it really i don't know i just googled rupaul quotes you nailed someone... it thank you you nailed it I mean, it could also. I could also have done um, impersonating Beyonce is not your destiny, child. Oh yes, that is one of my favorite RuPaul quotes. The one that he says a lot, and that I think we're gonna end on is, "If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else?" Can I get an amen? Mm. Amen. Pepe la beija.